Many of you guys know I just came back from what I call my COVID sabbatical. I had a forced COVID sabbatical. We were uh, COVID uh, positive, and I was vaccinated. Some other people were not. I, I, I thank you very much for, my, for the prayers that you gave to me. I did get over it pretty quickly, to be honest. Uh, it, I am a voice that can tell you if you get vaccinated, you probably will still get COVID. You can, you can still get COVID, but it's going to be a lot less. I described it to someone that I was talking to, and he said, hey, man, what's it like? I said, if you get vaccinated, it's going to be like getting kindergarten COVID instead of PhD COVID. Uh, so I, again, this, I'm not trying to make any statements other than I'm telling you my story, which is people that did not get vaccinated took them 14, 15, 16, 17 days to get over it. If you, I got vaccinated, Delta variant. Um, over it in a couple of days. So I'm talking to a guy, and as I'm having that conversation, he said, yeah, I don't know what to think. I don't know what, I don't know what to believe about everything I'm hearing. To which I said, what do you mean you don't know what to believe? He's like, well, everyone says get vaccinated. What would you say? He said, well, I'll just tell you my story. My story is when I had COVID the same times other people had COVID, my story is I still got COVID, but COVID lost its sting." Kind of lost its sting. He said, yeah, but I don't really know what to believe because there's, and this is what his statement was, there's so many messages going around on Facebook. There's so many messages going around. You don't know what message to believe. Isn't that, isn't that true? You don't know what message to believe when you hear all the stories. And today I want to talk about the message because we've talked about this great commission, Matthew chapter 28. And I need you to know that we have a message, and I, and I get it, I appreciate it when people tell me, Mike, I don't know if I can believe that news channel or that news channel or that news person. All I can tell you is my testimony, but I need you to know that there is a message that changes everything, and that message is called the message of Jesus Christ. That is the message that Jesus came and that Jesus died and that Jesus was buried and that Jesus rose and that Jesus is coming back again. There is a message that changes everything. And we've been reading about the Great Commission, but I need you to understand that the Great Commission is attached to a message. Everyone say message. In Spanish, we say mensaje. Can you say mensaje? Look at someone next to you say mensaje. It is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and this is the message that I need you to understand. I get it. If you're like, I don't know what to believe about COVID, I don't know how to convince you on that. I don't know what to believe about. There's a, Mike, there's so many messages about uh, the NCAA allowing student athletes to get paid. What do you think? There's, there's a commission out about that. There's so many messages commissioned about politics, and there's messages about uh, global warming, and there's messages about everything under the sun, and I appreciate the fact that we don't know what to believe when we hear certain messages, I need you to understand that there is one message that you must believe, and that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, could I get one of my daughters to help me by bringing me these signs? Because we're doing Matthew chapter 28, and we, I heard someone say, Pastor Mike, what are you preaching? I said, Matthew 28. They said, oh, we've heard Matthew 28 for the last two months. We're tired of Matthew 28. There's nothing else to say about Matthew 28. And yet what I want to say to you is I would like, would you be willing to hold this for me here for just a minute here? I'm going to do it just like this. I want to talk about not one commission. I want to talk about three commissions. In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, you don't just find one commission, you find three. There is a good commission, and then there is a bad commission. And then there is a great commission. There is a good commission, 
a bad commission and a great commission. Students, let's do a quick test right now. There are three commissions in Matthew chapter 28. There is a... And then there is a... And then there is a... In Spanish, we're going to do a little Spanish right now with all the boys and girls. In Spanish in the house. How do you say good in Spanish? Bueno. Everyone say bueno. Look at someone that you say bueno. But then there's a bad one. Everyone say malo. Then there is a bad commission. Now, technically, I should say mala comisión. I appreciate that. But malo, okay. And then there is the great, which is gran. Everyone say gran. There's a good commission. There's a bad commission. And there's a great commission. Let's start with the good one. First, we have the good commission in chapter 28, verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, everyone say Mary, Mary. Take the shackles off my feet. Went to the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. By the way, that is very dramatically cool. A stone, a boulder gets rolled away by an angel, and the angel sits on the stone to let us know, I got this. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. Everyone say he has risen. All the boys and girls say he has risen. All the little girls say he has risen. All the boys say, he has risen. That's kind of sweet. Just like he said, come see the place where he lay, and this is the first commission. This is the good commission. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and that he is going before you into Galilee. By the way, can you give wild applause to my assistant, Anaya? Thank you, ma'am. Hey, can I get a little kiss on my cheek? All right. That's my girl. All right. That is, if you've ever heard me talk about Anaya, that is Anaya. This is the Good Commission. The Good Commission was from the angels to the women. And what did the Good Commission say? Jesus is alive. Now go to Galilee. It's a Good Commission from the angels to the women. Jesus is alive. And they are supposed to go to Galilee. Now, before we get into the what of the commissions... I want to talk about the who of this commission because the who of this commission is two women, which I know is not a big deal to any of you, but I hope you can appreciate that 2,000 years ago, women, their testimony was not received as binding. Women were not seen as credible. They were seen as unreliable. They were seen as sensational. They were seen as emotional. They were seen in all these things. By the way, how many of you know men can be just as emotional as women, right? I I want to just make a quick statement that uh, there's a lot of debate going on right now, even about women with ministry and women being used by God. I do want to point out that no one that is trying to prohibit women from being used by God, they they never ever use the life of Jesus as their example for trying to keep women from doing things because Jesus was using women constantly to do amazing things. In fact, when he rises from the dead, the first two people, the only people at the tomb was Mary and Mary. That's the women that show up at the tomb. It's Mary and Mary. And so these two women come. I just want to point out that Jesus seems to love using what humans consider unqualified people. 
Jesus seems to love using people like Mary and Mary that, that someone wouldn't even take their testimony seriously. I'm saying that while we got kids in the room because moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, Jesus uses children to do his work. I, I, I'm reading a lot about revivals right now and, and uh, I, I was reading about a revival, that, part of the Great Awakening, and back, man, 300 years ago up in Massachusetts, there was a revival taking place, and, and there was a little girl named Phoebe Bartlett. She was four years old. Anyone know how to say four in Spanish? Let's try it, kids. Uno, dos, tres. Everyone say cuatro. Phoebe Bartlett was four years old. She had like a teenage a brother that came home, and her teenage brother got saved by Jesus. Her teenage brother turned to Jesus. Her teenage brother had been encountered by God, turned his life over to Jesus. He, told, he got delivered from sin and death and hell and the devil and all that, and he's telling that story. And Phoebe Bartlett, how old was she again in Spanish? She was cuatro años. She was four years old. Phoebe, four-year-old Phoebe Bartlett. She hears this, and her heart was like troubled. Like she, was, she was scared of going to hell. She was concerned that she didn't know Jesus. She did not believe that she was a child of God. And so when she heard her teenage brother tell her about finding Jesus, she went into a closet, and she began to pray. And she said, Jesus, please find me. Jesus, please find me. Jesus, please save me. And she would cry out to God, but, but it would, nothing was happening. And she would cry, and her mom would say, honey, what are you sad about? She said, I'm sad because I know, that, I know that I need Jesus to forgive me. I know that I'm a bad little girl that needs Jesus to save me. I, know, I need Jesus. And her mom said, oh, honey, don't worry about that. Don't cry. Just be a good little girl, and everything's going to be okay. But what she didn't realize was being a good little girl is never going to be good enough because no matter how good you are, no one can be good enough to get The question is not are you good or bad. The question is have you become a child of God? And Phoebe kept going into this closet. Friends, she would go into this little closet. How old was she again? She would pray three or four or five times a day in a closet, crying out to God that God would save her. She was pursuing the Lord. And then finally she reaches this point where she says, Mother, Mother. That's how they talk back in the day. Today she'd say, Mama, Mama, Mommy, Mommy. She says, What is it? She said, Mommy, the kingdom of God has come to me. I'm a child of God. And Phoebe Bartlett, how old was she again? Phoebe Bartlett became a child of God. Well, Mike, how do I know this? I know this because Phoebe Bartlett began to tell her story, and she began to pray for other people, and she began to share the message of Jesus with all sorts of other people, and there was a revival taking place. Phoebe Bartlett was part of this revival and this great awakening that was spreading like a virus. That's how they described it. it was, they said it was contagious. Sound like anything we've heard of? Is anyone else longing for the time when the gospel that we have gets more contagious than the COVID that we're watching in this world? Can you imagine if we became so viral in what Phoebe Bartlett got? She said, I'm a child of God. And one of her neighbors came and said, well, are you still afraid of going to hell? She says, I have no fear of hell. I'm a child of God. When you become a child of God, you never need to worry about hell again. There, is there such a thing as hell? Oh, there is. But no child of God goes there because of what Jesus did. Mike, what's your point? My point is... Jesus loves using unqualified, unreliable, the people that, her parents didn't even believe this was real. They felt, she's only four years old. Four-year-olds can't give their lives to Jesus, and yet she did give her life to Jesus. Hey, moms and dads, 
Your children can hear the voice of God. Your children can encounter God. Hey, seven-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, listen to me very carefully. If you want to, you can hear God's voice. He'll talk to you. If you want to, he wants you to be his child. Even if you're only cuatro años, even if you only have four years to your name, Mary and Mary who are unqualified, unreliable, seem like the wrong candidates. They show up at this tomb, and they get the good commission, which was go to the disciples, tell them I'm alive, and tell them to go to Galilee. It was the good commission. Mary and Mary did not show up at the tomb because they thought he was raised from the dead. They showed up at the tomb because they loved him. That was it. They were surprised he was alive. I want you to see, though, what made them qualified was that they loved Jesus. My daughter, Samara. Samara, where are you at? Actually, let me give you a better picture. That's Samara, grown Samara. Here's Samara when she was getting potty trained. This is potty training Samara. When Samara was getting potty trained, Samara was having a hard time. And I was on child one, and I wasn't as good at parenting then as I am now, hopefully. And with child, I remember putting the pressure on her to go potty in the, in the toilet, right, not in, in, on the floor. And I would say, baby, I need you to, I'd put her in the toilet, I'd put her in the bathroom, I'd say, I need you to produce the gift for your dad right now, you know? And that, I don't know if you've ever tried to produce a gift when you were under stress and pressure, but it's kind of hard, you know? And one time when she was in the middle of all this, uh, she was kind of having to go, didn't know what to do. We're at Chick-fil-A, God's favorite chicken, and closed on Sundays. Uh, but we're at, we're at Chick-fil-A, and I take her, I put her in to go to the bathroom, and I'm waiting outside, and she's not coming out. And uh, I didn't know what was going on, but apparently what went on was when Samara went into the toilet to go potty, she sat down, and she was having a hard time, and she began to sing a song that she sang when she was nervous, and it goes like this, and you can sing it along with me if you've ever heard it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but... No, but here's the catch. I didn't hear the story from her. I heard the story from a woman who is in the bathroom on the toilet next to her in another stall who comes out and says, there was a little girl inside that said, oh, Jesus, please help me go potty in the toilet. Please help me go potty in the toilet. And she began to sing, Jesus loves me. And when it came to the next part, she goes, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. All the women in the bathroom began to sing along with the choir leader, Samara. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want you to know. If you feel unqualified, your qualification is loving Jesus. Your qualification, if you love Jesus... He wants to use you. Mary, just show up at the tomb. Even when your faith is small, when your love is big, God is going to use you. That's the good commission. The good commission was from the angels to the women to go to the disciples, tell them that Jesus was alive, and they got to go to Galilee. The second commission wasn't a good commission. What was it? A bad commission. And you'll notice right here in the second commission, chapter 28, verse 11, when they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and they told the chief priests everything that happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and they said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. 
The second commission was a bad commission when they said, hey guys, this guy rose from the dead and the chief priests and leaders, those that had power and authority, they used their power and authority to lie and to cover up and to bribe them. And they said, tell everybody he's not risen from the dead. Now, boys and girls, I need you to know how many of you started school this week? Wave your hands at me if you started school this week. How many of you, do we have any, I know this is the week off for college students, but any college students in the house, make some noise if you're a college student. I went to UF every single, every single religion class I took was part of the bad commission. I would say Jesus rose from the dead. They would say Jesus did not rise from the dead. They'd say, no, no, it's maybe metaphorically speaking, he rose from the dead, but, but what rose from the dead were the dreams of the disciples. But friends, I need you to understand that there has been a bad commission. Let me back up. On Netflix right now, what is the, what's that, that special that's on Netflix right now? It's um, The Great Hack. This is a documentary that's about Cambridge Analytica, which was an organization that was stealing people's information from social media grabbing this information to learn things about us, to learn how to persuade us to do what they want us to do, how they want us to vote, how they want us to do whatever. And they did this little deal where they were, in, the, in fact, they would call people persuadables because humans are more persuadable than they're honest about. And so what they have found is they can persuade certain people by getting the information about what you look at on social media. And some people found out about it, they were coming out, and they said, no, 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 please don't do this. And so they bribed them not to come forward about what was taking place. And that documentary is about how this, this wickedness was gone down, that, that, and, and there was this cover-up because of it. Well, this is nothing new, because humans have always been covering things up. Humans have always been, when they would tell lies, they would go and pay people. They'd give them their hush money to, to not disclose what really took place. And what happened in this bad commission is that there was a group of soldiers that they saw that Jesus was raised and that tomb was empty. They said, oh, no, no, tell a lie. Tell them that you saw them steal the body away, but it was a lie. Now, the reason I want to tell all of you boys and girls this, and the reason I want to tell all of you college students, and I want to tell all of you in high school this, is because when I went to the University of Florida, I started, I fell in love with Jesus and I began reading this Bible. And I would go into religion classes where the professor would say, man, do you see this right here? That, th this is inconsistent with this over here. Ooh, you see this over here? This Greek word, ooh, it doesn't mean what they told you it means in some of the translations. Oh, you see this over here? This Hebrew word? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And there was all these things that they would point to and I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, what do I say to this? What do I say to that? And there was all these, and I remember I would go to this religion class and every day I was like, Lord, is the Bible true? Is Christianity true? And I was, I, was, I was like, God, I feel like I've met you. I think I've heard your voice. And I remember we came to the place. We got to the end of Matthew, and we got into the book of Acts. And I remember coming into classes because I didn't know what to say. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm someone that's been following Jesus for 90 days, and I'm talking to a guy that's got three PhDs and biblical hire, biblical criticism. And, and I remember coming to the place where I asked him. I, I raised my hand in one of the classes. I'm like, sir, I, I hear all the inconsistencies. So what do you say about Jesus raising from the dead. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, how do you explain the last 2,000 years of Christianity if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead because hundreds of his followers claimed that they saw him? To which he said, well, we don't really have a good explanation for that. To which I said, I do. I remember being in one of the classes and I was like, I know this answer. And I was like, Jesus rose from the dead. And I know it's, it's been like 20, 30 years later. I want to get up and tell all of you guys now, I got good news for you. 
Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And when there's a lot of things that you don't know, when there's a lot of things that you're wondering about, I want you to know there is a bad commission that's going to tell you he did not rise. Friends, yes, he did. You do not explain Christianity in the explosion. You do not explain thousands of people claiming that they saw Jesus Christ, thousands of people talking to eyewitnesses, going to their deaths. You cannot explain that outside of the reality of what is the great commission and the great news that Jesus Christ came and that Jesus Christ loved us, and that Jesus Christ died for us, and that Jesus Christ rose from the dead for us, and that Jesus Christ is coming back. And now we come to the final commission. First, there was a, a good commission. How do you say good in Spanish? Then there was a bad. How do you say bad in Spanish? And then we have the great commission. How do you say great in Spanish? La gran comisión. Never say gran comisión. The great commission now, it says in verse 16, it says, well, now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And I'm going to stop there right now. I'm going to put on my mask and I'm going to invite someone to help me. Any kids that want to help me, come line up. You want to help me? You can line up over here because I just want to point this out. Put the map up on the screen. I'll put my mask on so no one's scared. If any of you kids want to be part of my, my help right now, you're welcome to come join me up here. Just get in line behind me. I want you to look at the map. Jesus rises from the dead. Do you guys see where there's that cross where Jesus rose from the dead? He rises from the dead, and you guys can start to follow me this way. He rises from the dead in Jerusalem. Now, that's the nation of Israel. He goes from Jerusalem, and when he rose from the dead, where did he tell the women that they had to tell the disciples to meet him? Does anybody remember? A mountain up in Galilee. So I want you to follow me. Because he says to them, don't stay there in Jerusalem. You're going to have to make a trek, and you're going to have to start walking north. And they didn't have Ubers, and they didn't have a bus system, and they didn't have all this stuff. And so they start to make their trek, and they're walking, and they're walking, and they're walking. And the disciples are walking, and here they go. you got to walk a little faster, disciples. And they're walking because they're going to, they got it. Well, you can't get in front of me, though, okay? you got to be a good sheep, all right? And they're walking, and they're making their way because they had to go all the way, where was it they had to go again, kids? Uh, Grown-ups, where did they have to go again? Where was it? They had to, do we have any, are there any rows with nobody sitting on them so I can walk on those? Just, I don't know if we're allowed. Is there an empty row? There's not an empty row. Is there one empty row? Is there one? Okay. They, they had to walk all the way. By the way, after last service, some parents complained that I had us walk on chairs. Don't do that at home, kids. And they had to go all the way up onto a mountain in Galilee, and so they walked, and they walked, and they walked, and they talked, and they did all the stuff, and they were without Jesus, and they come up here, and my question is, in Spanish we say, por qué? Does anybody know what por qué means? Everyone say, por qué? My question is, if Jesus is going to get them on a mountain in Galilee where he's going to say to them, and this is what he's about to say to them, in fact, would you read this right there? Would you read verse 18 for me? And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Would you read this next one right here, ma'am? Yeah, you. This one? Yeah. Go, therefore, and make disciples all of... Of all nations. Of all nations. Da baptizing them in 
the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Here's my question. We've read that a lot of times. Why do they have to go all the way? Put the map back up. Why does he make them go from Jerusalem to Galilee and then up on a mountain in Galilee to tell them this? And then after he tells them this, he says, oh, yeah, go back to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. To which if I'm one of the disciples, I would say, I wouldn't say por qué. I'd be like, wait, 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 wait. You want me to go back to where I just was? Couldn't you have just? Is anyone else catching this? Besides, like, but, but let me ask you a question. Ma'am, what is your name? Sophia. Sophia. Is there anything different about being up here than when you were sitting down there? What, what do you notice different up here? It's higher. It's higher. Can you see things better when you're up here? Yeah. Yeah? I, you know, for a lot of time, for a lot of years, I, I asked myself, what, why would Jesus make them do that? Now, again, this is just conjecture, but I, I, I would submit to you, there's something about Galilee. In fact, you find in the book of Isaiah, there's a theme in the book of Isaiah. It's called Galilee of the Gentiles or Galilee of the Nations. A few weeks ago, Andrea preached about, go make disciples of all the eight nations, of all the ethnos, of all the ethnicities. Galilee was called Galilee of the Gentiles. And this mountain that Jesus took them to was a mountain that when he took all the kids up there, he said, now kids, look. Everyone go, ooh. Say, ah. I want, you, I want you to understand, Jesus takes them on a mountain. I have to wonder if it was the same mountain that in Luke chapter 4, when the Bible says Satan took Jesus on a high mountain, he showed him all the kingdoms of the earth, and he said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I will give you authority over all these nations. But now here Jesus is. He did not take a shortcut. He did not ever sin. He goes to the cross, sheds his blood, rises from the dead, and he says, disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And it's like he looks at his disciples, his disciples. The Jews were supposed to go reach these nations, and they never did. All these people that never got reached. But I, kids, I need you to know. Disciples, I need you to know. Every one of those other nations, every one of those other nationalities, every one of those other races, every one of those other, you fill in the blank. These are the people that I love. And I've got authority over all of them. And I love them deeply. And they've got real souls and real hearts. And I really think Jesus was like, look, you see those nations over there? I know that they, they look scary. And I know that they're outside of Israel. That's why I think he takes them to the boundary of Israel to let them see. And he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all of these nations. Can we give a wild applause for our kids? Thank you, kids. You can go back to mom and dad. Because I think he wanted them to see on the top of the mountain I think he wanted them to see. You guys go out this way. It's something to hold on to over there. There you go. There you go. Great. Yeah. I'm just making sure the front stays. I remember my first trip to Mexico. And there was a little boy named Israel. And he was like 13, 14 years old. And I remember looking in his hollow eyes. And I remember the smell. I remember the smell of the little camp that he worked on. He worked on this little compo picking cucumbers, 16 hours a day, six days a week. And I remember looking in his eyes when he said, I will never be able to leave here. And my heart just got pricked in a way that when you look in the eyes of a real person and you hear someone's real story, it's not the same as when you just hear, when you just hear someone talk about whatever. Friends, we do have a commission to go make disciples of all the nations. But before you can fix it, you need to feel it. 
And my prayer is that we are going to get an urgency about the compassion of Jesus for the world that he loves. I mentioned COVID a little while ago. Missionary Sam is one of the guys that we support a lot, as you know. I was talking to him yesterday. Missionary Sam got put on lockdown, not in his own country. He's in the east, but he's not in his own country. He has not been with his family since last year when COVID began because of the lockdown of COVID and how bad it's been. He's gone into, he's been in COVID wards, and he's from the east where he has seen people starving in the streets, and he has seen wards that were full of people dying of COVID. He says, Mike, I have never seen suffering like I've seen suffering in these COVID wards, and he's been going into these COVID wards to go in to pray for people because even as they're dying, they're on ventilators, and he's sharing with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, letting them know there is a real heaven, there's a real hell, and you need to put your faith in Jesus. He's been in those kind of situations, and and friends, I'm letting you know this because I want you to understand COVID is for real. And and, and right now, if you talk to people that are working in the ER, they're going to tell you, folks, this is real. Mask up. Get vaccinated. And there's this heavy-duty urgency. And friends, I'm part of the testimony that could tell you it's true, okay? A vaccine made this go a lot easier for me. I'm not against us giving that message. My concern is this. If you get COVID, there is a chance you could get very sick. And if you get COVID, there is a chance you could die. But my friend, if anybody that you know dies without Jesus Christ, it is 100% sure that they are going to live in eternity forever without God. When someone dies without Jesus, it is 100% mortality. The death rate is 100%. When Jesus takes them on a mountain, I think he takes them up there because when I'm hearing the nurses and the, and the medical practitioners in our church say, church. I wish you could see what's going on in, the, in the, the ERs right now. Please take COVID seriously. Friends, I wish you could see what is going on in hell right now. Please take this seriously. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic. I'm trying to be faithful to this commission that Jesus gave. Oh, you want to hear the great commission? That was in, I read it to you in Matthew. Here it is in Mark. Mark 16, 15 says this. Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here's the great commission in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24 says it like this. Luke 24, 46, thus it is written, the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins must be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, to which I stand up before all of you today right now, and I say this, Jesus Christ died, Jesus Christ was buried, Jesus Christ was raised, and when people put their faith in him, they come alive. I end it like this. Leonard Ravenhill tells the story of a criminal whose name is Charlie Peace. Hardened criminal, had killed people. He was about to be executed, and they brought a priest in to give him the last rites. And so the priest came, and he began to read certain Bible verses. And Charlie Peace, this hardened criminal, who's hours away from dying, he's listening. He says, wait, 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 what are you reading me? Because he's reading this book that says that the wages of sin is death, and, and his life is in trouble. He says, wait, what are you reading me? He says, oh, I'm reading you. It's called Consolations of Religion. He said, wait, wait, wait. He, he was stunned at the fact that he could read these verses so casually. How, how here he is on the verge of an eternity without God, and this man's reading it very casually as, as if this is just normal. And, and, he, and he says, he, he took the book and he throws it back at him. He says, he says with all respect, if I believed half of what you claim you believe about that book, I would get on my hands and knees and walk across the entirety of England from coast to coast on shattered glass, if it could save one soul. 
from the torment that that book describes. But for you to sit here and talk so casually about it, keep your book and keep your words because it's pretty hard to believe what you're saying by listening to how you say this. And church, right now, I want to say with a sense of urgency and a sense of compassion, moms and dads, your children need to hear you remind them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them, that Jesus rose from them, and that he wants them to be their disciples, his disciple. Boys and girls, some of you are going to school tomorrow, and when you go to school, there are other boys and girls that if they don't know Jesus, I want you to begin to pray that Jesus is going to encounter them, that Jesus is going to know them. There are some of you that are in 10th grade right now, and you know what? It's time for you as a 10th grader to start rising up and saying, you know what? I'm not just, I'm, God forbid that people are more urgent about COVID, politics, or sports than I am about the fact that there's a God who's given me, not a good commission, not just a bad commission, but a great commission. Moms and dads, there's people in your neighborhood, parents and disciples and singles and college students. I'm calling us, those of you that are online, I'm calling you to take a pandemic like this one. Let it be like a sign and a wonder for us that there is a need for us to take seriously the call to go make disciples. In my family, we always end our Bible times like this. As for me and my house, we say, I will serve the Lord. And then we say, as for me and my house, we say, I will love the Lord. And then we say, as for me and my house, I will trust the Lord. I will serve, I will love, I will trust. And I don't know if you're willing to do it or not, but if you'd be willing to be his disciple. As I say this again, as for me and my house, I want you to say, I will, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, if, if you're willing to, I want you to say, we will love the Lord. And then as for me and my house, we will trust. Now, before I say that, I really want you to think this through. If, if you say it with me, I'd like this to be like a commissioning for you that you are saying, God, I'm saying yes to your great commission. God, I'm going to go pray for lost people to be found. God, I'm going to pray that your kingdom is going to come through my life. I'm going to say this, and as I say it, if you're willing to take that up, as we say this, I'm, I'm going to invite you even to stand to your feet as you say, we will serve the Lord. Or, it, you can think about it, because maybe you'll stand up when we say we will love the Lord. But here it is. This is the call to us, Greenhouse. As we're going into this semester, I'm asking God for hundreds of baptisms before this year is even over. I'm asking God for hundreds of people that do not know Jesus to come to know him. Hundreds of people that were living in darkness to come into light. They don't need us. They don't need me. They don't need this church. They do need our king. 